Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoyed this week's message by Pastor Caleb Schaefer. We are finishing today uh, a series of talks on marriage and parenting. Uh, we have a Q&A survey, survey, service next week with our pastors, but we're going to finish uh, what we would say is part three of the parenting side of things. And as before we even get started, one of the things that I wanted to just say is that I'm very aware that in the room we have a mixed group. We've got people who have kids who are outside of uh, the 18-year span that you, they're usually in your house. We have people with adult children. We have people in the room that are grandparents with grandchildren. And I want to say this, that this is not just for people who have kids that are just young. Um, One of the things that, the reasons why I want to say that is because a survey was done across the nation uh, that highlighted this truth. Uh, The question was asked, who is the most influential person in your life? It was asked to kids from 0 to 18. Guess what? The number one most influential person outside of their parents was grandparents. And so if you apply these same things to your grandparenting, you're going to maximize your influence in their lives, in your grandkids' lives. And so I just wanted to highlight that, that at the beginning. But let me just say this. We thought that we would start out with just two stories about times where we've failed as parents. And these are things that weren't funny in the moment, but they are funny now that we look back at them. But we wanted to do that because we wanted to give you guys grace. Like I said, we're right in the middle of it. We're not experts. We've had our own mishaps, but I figured if we're going to talk about parenting fails, there is no one more qualified to share than my wife. So go ahead, go ahead and just share yours. That first. is so Did true. Did I throw her under the bus? That is or so like, true. No, is that I will what be the is? most humble. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fine. Okay, this story is great. So last year, Zeke went to preschool. Um, in a preschool in our community and he would be gone for about two and a half hours and during those two and a half hours like I would cram in as much schooling as I could with uh, Gideon and Ella. Well it was like literally was it week one? Yeah. Week one. Second, um, I think the second day he was second at preschool. Day, um, we're like just schooling at home and we're like geared in we're having a great day and Caleb calls me in the middle of the day which is odd like normally I'm the one calling him and he's like hey Allison what are you doing? I'm like yeah we're schooling you know he's like did you forget something? No, what are you talking about? He was like, well, I just got a call, a call from the preschool, and you forgot to pick up Zeke. And I was like, it's like the second day. Oh, my goodness. So I was like, I was like, and then, like, I looked at my phone. I had, like, all these missed calls. It was from the school. So I, like, run in, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And Zeke's just sitting there with the teachers during their lunch break before they have the <laughs> afternoon class, and he's, like, loving it. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, bud. I forgot you. And he's like, it's fine. Now, this wasn't, fine. This wasn't 10 minutes past. This was no, like a right. good like, half it was hour like a, to 45 minutes. It was probably an hour And like I get a voice message that, and it was a concerned message. It was um, like, we have your son yeah, here. Um, Mr. Schaefer, uh, we still have Zeke at preschool. And I'm like, you have one job today. Really? One job? I know, I'm right. kidding. So literally after that, I got my phone and I set an alarm. It was like 1145. It would go off every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Pick up your son. <laughs> okay, so here's my, here's my parenting fail. So we went to the, um, the aquarium in Cincinnati, and this was in 2016. 
Ella was four months. Uh, two no, she was two and a half months old at oh. this time. I remember. Uh, I vividly okay. remember. Uh, and so we drive down there, and we're going through the aquarium, and uh, Gideon had his cousin Lucas with him, and we're just going through. And if you've ever been down to the aquarium, outside of the aquarium, it's kind of like a, um, a sitting area. There's like steps down. There might be like a little, like, I don't know, waterfall thing, but there's these steps up. It's this circular sitting area, and we've got a stroller, and so Ella's in the stroller, and uh, I had strapped her in by her legs, but I hadn't strapped her chest. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to find the ramp. I'm about effectiveness and efficiency. So I'm just going to go right down. And so I remember I'm backing her down. <laughs> and she's just like, <sighs> and I'm like, oh, girl, oh my gosh. Almost killed her. She about flew into the pond, but, or the little thing in the middle. But oh, I felt like such a failure as a dad. But the point of sharing these, questions, these things yeah. is to give yourself grace. Give yourself grace in parenting. Don't get hung up on mishaps and mistakes in the moment. Be able to, to laugh at yourself and give yourself some grace because you're not going to be perfect, perfect at it every time. And so over the last uh, couple of weeks, Allison and I have once again had the privilege to share on parenting. And we've talked about a couple of things in the last couple of weeks. We talked about the difference between intentional and default parenting, uh, which you, you can see uh, is something that we, we have focused on. We talked about being present, proactive, purposeful. That's what intentional parenting is about. Uh, the second thing uh, is that default parenting is about being preoccupied. It's reactive. It's doing the bare minimum. Um, to summarize, summarize default parenting, default parenting is like parenting on autopilot. How many of you have ever, uh, this is one of the craziest phenomenons that I've experienced in my life, where you're driving and you arrive where you are supposed to arrive and you have no recollection of the time between you left and you got there and you're like, how did I even get here? It's called, actually Allison told me, it's called highway hypnosis. It's actually, it's a literal thing. But I thought that's how parenting is when you default. You can get into an autopilot mode where you get to graduation, your kids are adult children, you even know how you got here because you just went through and did kind of the, the bare minimum. And so uh, we can't afford, though, to, to be default parenting parents because our kids have a calling. Yeah. Our kids not only have a calling, but they have a destiny in God. They have gifts. They have abilities. They have things that God has called them to do, and we can't zone out because they're gifts from the Lord, and he's calling us to parent them in a way that brings all of those things out of them. And Charles Spurgeon said this, I love this, because this is my, uh, my encouragement to every parent in the, in the room. You are as much serving God and looking after your own children, training them up in God's fear, minding the house and making your household a church for God, as you would be if you had been called to lead an army to battle for the Lord of hosts. You are as, it is as much a calling to parent. Yeah as it is to do something else that you think is more significant. Right. So parenting is a calling that you serve God in, and to parent well, you and I have to be intentional. And so in week two, we talked about being intentional in your boundaries and being intentional in your discipline. And those are things you can go back and listen to. Uh, and so we're going to get into the rest of it today. We've got a lot that we're going to have to run through uh, to finish today, but I figured it'd probably be pretty smart to start uh, in prayer. 
So will you just join me and bow your heads? God, I, I thank you, Lord, for every generation in the room. Lord, I thank you for uh, the different roles that they're in. God, we're not all in, same, in the same roles because all of our kids uh, are in different places, in different phases. And so, God, I pray that we would be able to extract from what is being shared today that which applies to where we are. And, God, that we would be able to use wisdom in how we uh, play it out in the lives of our kids, Lord, and give us the grace to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The first place this morning uh, that we want to focus on being intentional in is being intentional in filling your day with fun. You wouldn't think that's spiritual, but it is. Filling your day with fun. As I was looking over my sermon this morning, uh, I am being bombarded by Zeke uh, wanting my attention. And I have an opportunity in that moment. Do I take advantage of it right now and fill the day at the beginning with fun? Or do I, hey, this is time where dad's being serious. But I'm like, no. So... I put my sermon to the side, and I'm just messing with them. you got to fill your days with fun. Why, why do we need to fill our days with fun as parents? Because in Psalm 1611, listen, David said, in God's presence is fullness of joy. To fill your day with fun is to fill your day with moments of joy. I want you to think about this uh, description that David shared of God's presence being fullness of joy. God not only makes room for joy in his presence, but he wants his presence to be known as an atmosphere of joy. See, how does this apply to parenting? Let me, let me share how it applies. There's something wrong we're doing as parents if joy is allowed in God's presence, but it's not allowed in our presence. There's something wrong if our kids can't feel at ease and rest to have fun around us. In God's presence is fullness of joy. So we have to be intentional about making room in our day for joy and fun. To laugh, to wrestle, to play, to joke around. Do you think God, do you think Jesus, if he was in the room, would be stiff and serious all the time? If that's how you think Jesus would be, that's a you problem. In his presence is fullness of joy. Yeah. I feel like if Jesus was in here, he would just be messing with people, just teasing them, poking them, prodding them. I mean, that's, that's the God I see and the God I serve. Why? Because he's about joy. Do you know God is in a good mood right now? <laughs> right. God, is in a, God does not have a case of the Mondays. You know why? Because he took all of his wrath and poured it out on his son. Yeah. And it was finished. He's in a good mood, and it's too quiet right now for this point. This shows that this is a relative, relevant teaching to talk about right now. He's in a good mood. He's not in a good mood for those that don't believe in him, but he's in a good mood for those that do. And if we have any believers in the room, you, you better start believing that God's in a, God, in a good mood. Because he loves you. He did not pour out and execute all of his judgment and wrath on his son for you to think that he's still in a bad mood about you. And so in his presence is fullness of joy. And I want our environment to be a place where our kids get to love being around us because we make room for that. 
Amen. 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 So today, I've got some tips on how to fill your day with fun. So I want you to take all the stress off of you of not focusing on what you can't do, but focus on what you can. Okay. You can plan vacations. You can plan trips. Right? We're talking about being intentional. So what this, this kind is for of, grandparents too. That what this kind of does is it. it moves you from just being reactive to being proactive, right? When you plan something, you look forward to it, right? It fills you with joy. It fills your kids with joy, and then you get to talk about it every single day until the event happens, and then you have the countdown. I mean, nobody has little kids, and they want to know when's Christmas, and you have the countdown, and you're, like, over-talking about it, but, like, you keep talking about it because it's intentional, and it fills them with joy. But I want you to just take your focus of what you can't do, like, well, we don't have all this money. We can't do all these right. trips. And focus on what can you do? Right. What can you do today? Don't compare your family's fun with yes. anybody else's fun. You, what your family needs for fun is going to be totally different than what maybe my family does for fun. My family does not camp. That is not fun for us, okay? <laughs> we are not campers. So if you're like, oh, let's go camping, that'd be fun. Mm, that's not my fun. That may be your fun, fun, but that is not my fun. Sorry, Coolidge's. We don't care. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be extra extravagant. Like, yeah. our Gideon would much rather go throw football or baseball with Caleb than, like, go to Disney World, yep. right? Throwing a ball that you already have in the house is free. So fun does not have to be expensive. Yep. It's just being intentional, taking the time to have fun. And I'm going to add something to that because here's where I see – uh, a lot of things happening with parents that actually get them, or grandparents even, that get them to stop from even planning anything, is that the world will define what fun is supposed to look like. And if you don't do it that way, then you're a failure at the fun. And so you just don't do anything. It's just like, well, I can't afford that. I could never do that. Focus on what you can. Yeah. Because your kids and your grandkids may not even care about that stuff. I was, we went to Disney World, and I was mad that Gideon wasn't enjoying it. Bec uh, the way that I wanted him to enjoy it. Why? Because he I paid care. a lot of money for you to have fun. I played, <laughs> you know care. what? But that's the world's, that is the world's yeah. mountaintop of fun. And he's, and I'm, and I'm making it miserable because I want him to enjoy it more than he cares. He yeah. would much rather be at home throwing football or playing baseball. I feel like fun with kids really at any age is time right? Fun is intentional time, quality yep. time, yep. being with them, yep. right? Like it's not a huge thing. You can have fun daily, weekly, monthly, seasonally, yearly. Yep. It looks like dinner time conversations. I know I get bent out of shape when we have too much laughing at the table because maybe of inappropriate <laughs> burps or toots, right? Like every mom, like, can we just not at the table, right? But it's fun. And there's parts of me that I just have to like, let it go. Which makes me want to egg it on even For more. For sure. And which he's like, let's sit and have, I'm like, Ooh. Can we not have one meal where we just, you know. <laughs> Are normal? No. This it's, is it, normal. It can this be just normal. like picking a day of the week where you have like the weekly pizza night, right? Like you yeah. gotta eat dinner anyways. Turn it into something that's fun. Um, I read a book a few few years back, and it's been so great. It's called The Memory-Making Mom. And literally, she goes, this mom has these amazing ideas of just establishing routines that are fun for your kids, things to look forward to. So in our house, when it's your birthday, uh, I buy the prepackaged cinnamon rolls, and I just lay them out for whatever age they are. Age number, yeah. So it's like you get a number five cinnamon roll. They look forward to it. They talk about it. Oh, it's going to be my cinnamon roll. Okay, that costs me no more than... I would already do, right? right? It's just being intentional. For uh, 
back to school, I try to make a pancake out of the grade that they're in, and we laugh because they always look, you know, really crazy. But then it's like you take the picture, you have the memory. It's fun. They look back on it. So memory making, um, it, it doesn't have to cost you any money. Mm-hmm. Gideon, or not Gideon, Ezekiel wanted to be a crab last year for the trunk or tree. So he got this hat that's cr- the crabby hat. So one day, everybody was being crabby. So I pulled it out, and I was like, if you're crabby today, you're wearing the hat. And they just started laughing, and I was like, who gets the hat first? Right? Like, it's not anything. It's just looking for ways to fill your house yeah. uh, with joy. Now, here's the thing, and I even told Gideon, I was like, what does mom always say? Yep. Fun is not an activity. It's an attitude. Fun is an attitude. It's not an activity. You can make anything fun yep. with the attitude that you do it. Mopping the floors can be fun if you have the right attitude. So fill your day with joy just needs to be an atmosphere, not necessarily an activity. And that, that truth puts your children in control of what's fun and what's not. You don't want to condition your kids that fun is an activity or an event. Mm-hmm. Because then they have no control until the event or the activity comes. Right. But when you say fun's an attitude, then it's a choice that they can actually make to control their behavior. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because if you can, case in point, you can take your kids to, to the activity, you can take them to Disney World, and it'd be a miserable experience. Mm-hmm. You see it when you get there. All these parents mad that their kids aren't acting accordingly. Yeah. Because they put mm-hmm. all of their fun eggs in a basket, and the kids don't have the attitude. It's an attitude, it's not an activity. Anything can be fun. Yeah, and then if the attitude is bad, that's when you get into the deeper issues, the heart issues, yep. the sin issues of our kids and maybe even ourselves is what does God need to work out in mm. us? Are we ungrateful? Yeah. You know, are we demanding or are we prideful that we can't have fun in what's in front of us? You know, a heart of gratitude. All right, uh, so number, as fun is not an activity, it's an attitude. And the next one is fun is messy. But messy is memories, right? Yeah. Uh, you think about kids in the kitchen. It's like, just scoop one cup of flour and pour it in. It's like, it's not that hard. How many moms have just cringed? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> half of it gets poured in, half of it's not. And then you're like, how much more do I add so that the recipe kind of works out? You just scoop it, right? Like some things you have to let expectations go. Ooh, this is so good. Thank mm, you for making yeah, this. Yeah, you made these cookies. Ooh, I can tell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was I, made with love. Yeah, I think the thing is like you have to intentionalize people over things. People over things. Like, yes, Say there's that again. people over things. Yeah. yeah. Are you prioritizing, like, the clean cleanliness right. over the heart of your kid? Mm-hmm. And it's hard because it's like, uh, it's, it's really letting go of control. Um, if you prioritize clean um, over fun, you're going to live in a rigid environment, and your kids are going to want to get out of there as soon yeah. as possible, right? Like, I'm not free to make a mistake. I can't have fun. Mom gets mad about everything. You know, dad flips out if there's mud on the carpet, whatever, right? Like, yes, we want to teach them cleanliness, but prioritize your kids or people over things. Um, so be intentional about filling your day with fun. Yeah. Second place of intention is intentionally interruptible and adjustable. How frustrated do you get when you're in the middle of something that is important to you and you're interrupted by your kids? How how frustrated do you get when you have to adjust your schedule because of something unpredictable that your kids may have done? There is an opportunity cost that takes place. This opportunity cost occurs 
when you fail to be interruptible and adjustable, and the opportunity cost is this, that you potentially miss out on some of the best moments with your kids. Yeah. It's, it's the cost of not being uh, interruptible and adjustable. Uh, when you think about parenting, let me give you an example. When you think about parenting, who can tell me when is the time that you are most often looking forward to? Anybody? Just shout it out. Bedtime. Bedtime. Can I get an amen? Bedtime. <laughs> Bedtime. <laughs> it's so funny how quick that was. Yeah. I can't wait for those fools to be in a bed. Those blessings. Those blessings. Those I'm blessings. sorry. <laughs> you're my filter. But it's the time you're looking forward to most. Why? Because it's the time that you can unwind. You can kind of uh, relax. You know, you can watch, watch an adult show, you know, like a, a show that, that, that you're looking forward to watching, you know, like isn't really appropriate for your little kid's eyes or whatever. Um, it's a time to just unwind, to be able to connect, have conversations, talk about your day, all of those types of things. But that honestly is one of the most interrupted times of the day. I mean, I just know going into putting uh, uh, Ella down to sleep that she's going to be out of her bed three or four times. Just know it. It's just going to happen. Because dehydration needs is the leading it, yeah, cause cause. cause. Yeah, because dehydration is the leading cause of not being able to go to sleep yeah, through bedtime. Exactly. <laughs> um, but those are also times that if you would just be a little bit interruptible mm -hmm. in your schedule, those can be times of amazing impact in your kids' lives. And I remember um, times in the past where Gideon was young, and I don't know, maybe five or six, and he comes in, and, uh, you know, uh, it's one of those moments where we, we can either lose it, like, dude, you've came into our bed about four times, go to bed, <laughs> or we just realize that right now is a time that we could be interruptible and flexible. And so uh, he came in this one time, and he's like, I can't get sleep, and so uh, we're just talking, and then one thing leads to another, and we recognize this is a time. And so he, we invite him up onto the bed, and we're just talking about life, talking about what's going on in his life. And I remember at that time that vividly that we, were, we started to just speak encouragement into his life. We started to, to lift him up. We started to uh, just inspire him and just build him up. And I remember it got to a point in the conversation where he looked at us and he said, you make me feel like I can do anything. But if you don't take the moment, if you're not interruptible. See, I don't know about you, but I want my kids to leave our house confident in themselves. There is nothing wrong with being confident. And in, in, the, in the world of Christianity, it's like, no, you have to be humble all the time. We don't understand humility. Humility is having an accurate understanding of who you are. It's not having a lower understanding of who you are. It's an accurate. And so every single Christian parent should resolve within themselves that by the time my kids get out of my house, they're going to be confident in who they are. Why? Why? Well, they're definitely not going to get it anywhere else. They're not I mean, going the to get it. The world is continually beating else, them down. They're going to be, is negative. Yeah. They, and so I was glad that he believed that about himself because that's how he should feel. Yeah. He should feel like he can walk out of his house and do anything that he wants to do. But that came from a moment of being intentional about being interrupted. Yeah. 
so, so important. And, and, and I heard Bill Johnson say this. I thought it was so interesting. He was talking about with, with his kids, raising his kids. He said, and I'll never forget this. He, it stuck with me since he said it. He said, um, no matter what was going on in my life, whether it was at the church or not, he was like, I always allowed my kids to interrupt me. He said, I would be in the middle of a stressful situation at church. I'd be in the middle of working on something, talking, counseling. And if my kids came into the room, I would stop. I would look right at them and I would acknowledge their presence and ask them, uh, you know, what, what they needed or what was going on. And, I, and someone asked him why he did it. And I loved his answer. He said this. This is so good. God is always approachable. I have always wanted to demonstrate to my kids through the way that I allow them to interrupt me that Father God is never too busy to be interrupted. Aren't you thankful that God is never too busy to listen to your prayer? He's never too busy to pour out his presence on you. God is always approachable. And so when you're parenting, take that same approach because I believe that it will translate to your children that that's how God is like, because that's how my parents were. Yeah. It, it, it will communicate and connect the dots. We have to be interruptible, and we have to be adjustable. There's a quote, and I take this one to heart, that says, Blessed are the bendable, for they shall not break. Yeah. Right? Like, sometimes we can be so rigid that if something goes a little bit askew, we just snap. Right? Yeah. We lose our joy. We lose our fun. We lose our godly attitude. But if we are bendable, we shall not break. Yeah. Right? So whether we like it or not, parenting demands that we adjust. Otherwise, we will perpetually be frustrated and worn out yep. by unpredictable things that happen. Okay, how many of you know that spills happen? Sickness happens. Actually, just the other day, Jill, uh, wonderful right. Grandma Jill, took our kids so we could have a few hours to go through Work our sermon, sermon, and she gets a call, um, there's a little girl in the back, looks like she's going to throw up, like, right? <laughs> just needed a few hours. We're literally you know? being interrupted while yeah. we're working on the sermon. Sickness happens. Reality. Accidents happen. Routines will change. There's going to be ebbs and flows yeah. to what this looks like. To the ebbs and flows of like when the kids are little, the interruptions are more, more through the day. You know, maybe in the middle of the night as they get older, teenagers like to stay up later. Like, and it's hard because we are like right in the middle. It's like I want to go to bed. We got ones that are up like yeah. six in the morning. We got ones that want to go to bed at like midnight. And I'm like, oh, but you know, it's the ebb and flow. They won't always be these ages. So we have to be yeah. able to just be flexible. You can either adjust or you can have a bad attitude, right? right? You can either adjust and let it ruin your day or just let it go. I don't like interruptions. There are times where I have to bite my tongue and smile, right? Fake it till you make it, like, because I don't want my emotions to dictate. We always say the emotions are the caboose, not the engine that runs our train. So I have to model that. So, and even sometimes my kids, Mom, that was kind of rude. You're right. It was, like. (laughs) And so I have started this phrase, and I say it until I believe it. When the kids interrupt me, um, you know, can I get some more water? I got to go to the bathroom. Can you wipe my butt? It's like, yes, I would love to. Yes, I would love to. I would love to do that. Because whether I feel it or not, I want my kids to know that I do love them. So I'm sorry if I've said that to you. Yes, I would love to do that. That means that I am going to 
make myself. She's saying she says it to adults. <laughs> sure, I'd love to. I would love hey, would to you like that. to do that? Yes, I would love to do I'd that. I'd love to do that because I, I don't want my emotions to dictate my yeah. parenting, right? I do love you, and yes, I, I do want to do that. I may not feel like it, but I don't want to be controlled by my feelings. Yeah. You know, we have to model that. So um, I was reading a book a few years back by uh, Jenna, Jenna Bush, and she was saying that her mother's grandmother had this phrase that when spills happened or huge messes happened, the first thing everyone would do, they would pause and yell, happy days. And it would just turn the mood in the house yeah. around. Like, yeah, it was an accident, but like, oh. And so we started doing that. So like big spills happened. There was just, Ella exploded her water in the car and everybody <laughs> got wet. And it was, the kids were like, happy days. And right. so it's like, you, you just, you, you almost break the tension, right? Yep. You break the, and that's all the whole thing with like a fun, it's an attitude, you know, it's not an activity but it's like intentionally being okay. Yeah. C.S. Lewis, who has some amazing quotes, said, children are not a distraction from the more important work. They are the important work. And sometimes, like, we, it's just society doesn't view children as no. valuable. They don't, you know? And, and I think, like, the heart of this whole entire series is that God loves families. He loves children. And, like, it is the core he from the beginning. Marriage. Yeah, he yeah. loves your marriage. Is like get married, have kids. Like that is the heart, and we can just see it being attacked like so strongly. And so, don't let your kids be a distraction. Let them be the most important thing. Mm. Our third intention of parenting is to be intentional in apologizing, being intentional in, apolo- in apology. Our kids need to be taught how to apologize. But they also need to see us model yep. it, which I had a great example in the car on the way here. <laughs> yep. Not me. Yes, me. Ella was making something about a comment, and I was like, you weren't even there. Like, and then I was just like, oh, my gosh, that was so rude. So I turned, and I was like, Ella, I am see, it's so. it's always her. It's, it's, al- it's always her. How do you live with me? I don't know. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's not me, it's him. It's great. Oh, gosh. So, anyways, like, um, I, I turned around. I said, Ella, I'm so sorry that I, I just barked that out. I was like, that was rude. Will you please forgive me? And she and jokingly was like, no. But then she was like, yes, I forgive you. And so, anyways, apology. Like, it just, it just sets a tone for humility, yep. for the ability to make mistakes mm-hmm. and it be okay. Um, the phrase that more is caught than taught. Um, is so true in this area. And so um, I just wanted to stop and go over steps for how to apologize. How to apologize. Okay. Um, and this is good for any age because right. I think even as adults, when you can acknowledge what you did, um, it, it breaks that spirit of pride. Like, well, I'm never wrong. Yeah. You know, it's like, and it, it makes it softens the other person's heart to for you to confess your sin, right? So the first thing is to acknowledge what they did. So we teach our kids to say, I'm sorry for. What did they do? So to me, this morning I was like, Ella, I'm sorry for being rude, for snapping at you. So let me just add to that that this is this is the repentant repentance part. Yeah. I don't this is my personal conviction. I don't believe repentance is present without confession. Because confession, out of, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. You, you don't miss the mark with your mentality. You miss the mark by confessing it. 
because you're, you're acknowledging that it's a heart-level thing. It's a, you're acknowledging that you've missed the mark in your heart. And so I don't believe that repentance can happen without confession. Matter of fact, I, I believe that confession is the fruit of repentance yeah. because it shows that on a heart level, you know you missed the mark. Right. Mm-hmm. And so th- that's why it's the first step because wh- how, why are we asking for forgiveness for something we're not willing to even acknowledge that is wrong? Does that make sense? It becomes a formality at that point. So we need to know what we did. I think it um, is always in a humbling way putting our sin right in front of us to say, mm-hmm. this is why we need Jesus. This yep. is why mommy needs Jesus. This is why you need Jesus, right? Yep. Like your kids need Jesus just as much as you do. But I'm sorry for snapping at you and saying that rude comment. Will you please forgive me? So the next step is acknowledging I'm sorry for and then saying the sin, and then asking for forgiveness. Will you forgive me? Because it gives a chance for restoration, right? Isn't that the heart of God, to be restored back to one another, especially with siblings and parents? Will you forgive me? Now, whether that person, like, says it or not, right, that's you are extending forgiveness. And so, um, and then the third part is my kids are not allowed to say it's okay because it's, they have to say I forgive you. Because when you say it's okay, it's validating that that action was okay, but that action wasn't okay. And even though that action was wrong, you can still extend forgiveness, right? We've been wronged against. Yeah, that's and, good. and forgiveness does not take away what was done to you. It forgives it, right? It gives us a chance to, again, this is... I don't think forgiveness can truly be done without Jesus, right? Yeah. Because there are times when right. we cannot forgive. Like, yeah. we have to have God and the Holy Spirit leading us to forgive, mm-hmm. you know, and choosing to forgive is a choice and the feelings will come later. Mm-hmm. Just like our attitude. Yes, I'd love to. Yes, I forgive you and the Lord will deal with my heart later. But you acknowledging and confessing, I forgive you, I think opens the doors yeah. for true restoration to happen. And then the third thing we do is we pray because this again, brings the, the need back to the heart of God. Why, why we need Jesus. It's, it's identifying that this is not just a human-to-human violation. Yeah. That we've missed the mark in God's standard. So we need to pray and ask God to, to help us. And it, what we're acknowledging is that this is sin. It's not just a mistake. And those are two different things. Because people, because we're trying to teach them to be God conscious. Yeah. And so that, that's yeah, why it's Yeah, it's back important. to the training of like a biblical, <clears throat> biblical worldview that like our, our actions are rooted in deeper issues, right? Like mm-hmm. I hit because I was angry, right? And, and anger doesn't produce the righteousness that and, God desires. So it's really naming the sin and not so much the action. Like it's, it's, it's the it. heart, right? And the thing that I think has been, in our experience, has been so significant is that this is actually where we've seen our kids get most emotional. 100%. In, in the prayer, mm-hmm. because God is doing something in their heart to acknowledge that, like, wow, I've missed mm-hmm. the mark. And, and it's like, it, it is a humble, it's an act of humility before God. Yeah, and it is. I, and like, I've seen them break down in this moment. In, the, in this moment. And when the kids are young, I'll be like, you need to pray. And they'll say, can you help me? Yes, I'm going to help yeah. you. And really, it just is repeating until they model it. It's like, Jesus, I'm sorry for, and then they have to name it, right? It's the mm, confessing, because yeah. it says you confess... With your mouth. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, 
I'm sorry for my anger. Will you please forgive me? And then it's like, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Help change my heart. Make yeah. me slow to anger. Make me um, have more self-control, yep. you know? Um, First Peter 5, 6 said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Yep. When we create, or we create an environment in our home of apology when it's done frequently. Um, and it makes me think back to, like, this whole thing takes time. And that goes back to, like, the stages of parenting, of just, like, the training and the purposefulness of it takes time. But it pays off so much. And so, like, I know we sometimes want to, like, rush through it. Like, go give your sister a hug. It's over. But, yeah, like, did the heart get changed, you know? Um, we create environments done frequently to prevent um, pride. We, we don't want a spirit of pride. Yeah. Pride and arrogance become the default behavior of anyone who never learns to repent or to apologize. When we don't teach our kids to apologize, we are teaching them that nothing is ever their fault, which mm. in turn leads to a victim mentality in which the world is against them because they've done no wrong. Right. And that, that can be a hard pill to swallow when they get out of your house and they learn that they're not perfect princesses right. and you know what I'm saying they, so it's like and so they yeah so we need to teach them this but they also need to see us model it yeah and that means that as adults we practice this out and we as Allison said um, you know is we know this that forgiveness isn't something you grow out of it's not a part of just being a child it's a part of being a human and when you model apology it shows your kids that you recognize your own humanity and it teaches them that being an adult, and this is important, is not exempt from repentance. Yeah. That you don't outgrow the need to repent. You don't outgrow the need to apologize. Having parental authority is not an excuse to never apologize and admit when you're wrong. You need to repent to your kids when you're wrong. And I, I just want to speak to the, 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 maybe the, the stubbornness in, in men for a moment. Yeah, it's not me this time. No, it's not. <laughs> but men don't always have a legitimate and justifiable reason why we're doing what we're doing. Sometimes we're impulsive and foolish, and we need to, uh, to own it, and we need to apologize for it. And I think what, time, wh what I see a lot of times is that there's overreach and oversteps in our parental authority when we're not willing as men to humble ourselves and not chalk it up as, well, I, I'm the adult here, and I have the right to do this. Mm. It's just not right. Because what we're teaching, especially our young men, when they're watching us, that once we become older men, mm. we have the right to behave in this way. And it's just not right. And so we have to make sure that we also model uh, this. And there have been times, <clears throat> and Scripture says this, uh, fathers, do not exasperate your children. And I've seen, I've, I've seen moments in myself and in, in my immaturity with my kids where I've gone too far in poking and prodding them, and something I thought was funny wasn't funny to them. And I had to get on my knee and look them in the eye, and I had to apologize. That was too far. That was wrong. Will you please forgive me for that? And so we need to, we need to model that. We can't just say, well, I'm the adult, and I'm allowed to kind of do what I want here. We can't afford to do that. And so... So we have to be number in, four. intentionally apologetic. Yep. And number four is being intentional about consistency. Consistency is something that is modeled by us as the parents. Intentional consistency is you being the same person no matter where you are. Yeah. Are you the same at home as you are at church? Are you the same at work as you are 
at home? Are you the same on the weekends as you are during the week? Are yeah. you the same when you go out with your adult friends as you are when you go out with a, a group of family friends? Being consistent. There is a saying that more is caught than taught. So you can say this is how we behave, but they're going to watch you, right? They're going to see you. Max Ocado has a quote that said, parents, what are your children learning from you from your worship? Do they see the same excitement as when you are at a basketball game? Do they see you prepare for worship as you would prepare for a vacation? Do they see you arrive um, hungry to seek the face of God? Do they see you consistent? Do they see you being the same as you were when you came in as yeah. when you left? They're watching you. Believe me, they are watching you. Now, let me you. just say something really quick. Just be consistent about who you are. If you're a mess at home, be a mess at church. It's right. okay to be a mess right. at church. But where your kids see it is when you act like you're perfect here and you're a mess at home. Mm -hmm. Just if you're a mess, be a mess everywhere. <laughs> Kim was like, amen. amen. <laughs> I'm glad someone's real in the room. Right. Mm -hmm. But it, it just, it, we have to make sure that we are consistent. Uh, one of the top reasons cited by teenagers as a reason why they walk away from Jesus is that they saw major hypocrisy at home. Yeah. Their parents were one way at church, but another way when they were all alone with them. And Jesus, in Matthew uh, 5.37, he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, don't flip-flop. Yeah. Be consistent. That scripture is about consistency. Jesus is a consistent God. Hebrews 13.8 says he is the same yesterday, today, and when? Forever. So consistency is a God quality. So how do we become more consistent in our parenting? Here's the first point. Make the choice today to be all in in following Jesus. Yeah. Make that choice. Okay? There are people that can be on the fence about really being all in in following Jesus. There are people that compartmentalize relationship with Jesus just to coming to church. Make the decision to be all in on following Jesus. We need to figure out what we are really about because there's no middle ground in following Jesus. You're either heading his direction or you're heading the other way. Remember what he said in Revelation about a lukewarm church that was hot and cold mixed together. He said, I would spit that out of my mouth. I don't know where you are. You've got to make the choice to be all in on following Jesus. James 1.8 talks about this double-mindedness and how it affects even not just your life, but your parenting. I want you to think about this. James 1.8 says, A double-minded man, say it with me, is unstable in all his ways. All his ways, including parenting. But when you look up that double-minded in the Greek, this is what it means. Mm, this is good. Divided in interests. A lot of times the context here is about doubt. Whether you ask and you don't believe, don't expect to receive anything from God. But double-minded here is divided in interest. And you know what unstable in the Greek is? Inconsistent. So I want you to think about this. When you're only kind of interested in God and kind of not interested in God, guess what happens? You create a hypocritical atmosphere where being two-faced is normal. 
because your interests are divided. you got to make the choice. Are you all in on following Jesus or not? And I feel like this applies, honestly, in the church context. A lot of times this applies more to the men than it does to the women. A lot of times I find that a lot of the women have made up their mind, but the men are on the fence. Okay, but your divided interest in following Jesus creates an inconsistent environment in your household. You got to make up your mind. Make the choice to follow him or not. So that's the first key to consistency. And the second is even uh, more important. Another key to consistency. Who are we walking before? What does that mean? Are you walking before God or men? The answer to that question determines how consistent you'll be. In Luke 1, 6, it says of Zechariah and Elizabeth, a married couple, that they walked blamelessly, not before Caesar, not before the priest in the synagogue. They walked blamelessly before the Lord. So what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. How many of you know uh, uh, Grandpa Tim? How many of you know that when your grandkids are around you and they know your eyes are on them, their choices will change. Why? Because they know that grandpa is watching. Same with our, our kids. I can, if, as soon as I turn my back, their cha- choices change. But when they know dad is looking, their behavior changes. What does that mean? That means that when my eyes are on them, They're walking before me, and that accountability causes them to change their behavior. When you are aware that no matter where you are, you are walking before the Lord, it causes a consistency because of the accountability that comes from your awareness that he's watching what you're doing. No matter where you're, if you're in the store, in the car, at your job, at your desk, in your office, your choices change because of your awareness that his eyes are on you because you know that the multiple faces in different crowds don't change what he sees. So there's this accountability that comes from walking out your life in a way that you're walking before him. So consistency matters. The fifth is this, intentional instruction. And we have one more. Let no Christian parents fall into the delusion that Sunday school is intended to ease them of their personal duty. That's what Charles Spurgeon said. And and this is what intentional instruction is about. Intentional instruction is about your home being the place where cultural issues are discussed, a biblical worldview is taught, Skeptical questions are raised for the purpose of being answered. Scripture is read and reinforced. And testimonies of God's faithfulness are shared so that one generation will praise the mighty works of God to another. That's what intentional instruction is about. And this is not the responsibility of the Sunday school This is not the responsibility of the youth on Wednesday night. This is not the responsibility of the Christian school your kids are going to. This is your responsibility. And I find that we don't broach some of these things we don't have answers to because we got the same questions. Journey through the doubts together with your kids until you get an answer. It's about being intentional in your instruction. 
And it's commanded in Deuteronomy 6, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on, uh, on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's about creating a home environment where no conversation is off limits where, you're, uh, where you are your kids Google and you have meaning, co- meaningful conversations about the things that matter. I don't know if Jesse is still here, but one of the things I love about Jesse, he said this, is that every night with his son Jonas, this is perfect, every night when he lays his son uh, Jonas to bed, he says, I am Google for a half hour. My son Jonas gets to ask me any question he wants to ask, and I have to, from memory, try to give him the best answer that I can give him. He's, da- he's being dad, Google. I-, I want an environment in my home that there's no question that's off limits that we're able to answer and ask in our, in our household. And the earlier you do this, the better. Because you plant seeds in fertile soil even at a young age. So why do I say all of this about being intentional in our instruction? Here's why. And here's why it matters to do it early. Because the law of first mention. The law of first mention. Anybody know what the law of first mention is? If you know what it is, slip your hand up. Okay. The law of first mention is something uh, about Scripture that the first time an idea is introduced in Scripture, that becomes the parameters by which you're supposed to be that idea every other time it's mentioned in the Bible. You can do the same thing in your household. When When ideas and concepts are things you talk about, you become the law of first mention so that later on in their life, every other t- time that idea or concept is brought up in conversations among their peers, teachers, everything else, guess what? They will see it through what you introduced them to first. Let me explain why that matters. Because you don't want sex to be identified by pornography that your teenagers are watching. Because every other time sex is brought up, that becomes the framework of their understanding. You want to be the one that is having the conversations that are age appropriate so that what you share in the truth you talk about becomes the law of first mention by which every other time that idea or concept is brought up, they see it through what you shared with them. So you, this is why we have to have these conversations and we can't just lend it, let, it, let it out to whoever wants to input that information into your kids. It's the law of first mention. It's so important. So we need to be intentional about our instruction. And last but not least, we'll skip to the final point. Intentional Mm. intercession. Taking time to pray over our kids now, sowing seeds for their future. Yep. This needs to be a top priority because out of this concept all the other intentions are going to flow. They're going to flow more easily. Mm-hmm. They're going to um, go over smoother. You, your parenting will flow more natural because you'll be led by the Holy Spirit, and yep. the Holy Spirit will be working in the lives of your kids. Yep. I think of it, um, our kids are just uh, soil, right, that needs to be tilled, and our intentions are tilling it up. But prayer is what is like fertilizing that soil and planting those seeds to give it a place that it will take root mm-hmm. and it will grow when they get older. This can be overwhelming for yeah. a lot of us, um, but it is a place 
that we just want to simplify, yeah. right? Um, next week when we do the Q&A, um, between Pastor Tammy and myself, we have lots of different resources on things, um, books that you can read. And th- there's amazing people that have written things to pray for my kids. Yeah. And they're scripted prayers that if your kid is just really struggling um, with anger, you can go to a pre-written prayer and pray that over them. There's scripture. Um, so I like I want to just... I guess, take the heaviness of like, oh my gosh, this can be so overwhelming to know like, yes, God is with you, but also like there's resources and um, there's us too, right? Like mm-hmm. come come to us if, if you need help. But um, intent, or intercessory prayer tips. Number one is go to God with your list, right? We all have this like running list in our head for each of our kids. Um, just things that, you know, it's easy to highlight the, the areas that they need work on, right? <laughs> um, go to God with those lists. Um, listen, right? Because God's going to lead us as to what really needs to be prayed over. Um, sometimes we, we see a behavior, and we can be praying against that behavior. But if we stop and seek the Lord, he may get to the root issue right. of why that behavior is being exuded. Yeah. Um, I love the phrase that attention is attention, whether it's negative or positive. Kids don't care. They just want attention, right? So sometimes we're not giving them the good attention that they need, so they're acting out so they get our attention. Hey, yelling is still giving your kids attention, right? Yelling at them, and it's like, oh, well, mom still sees me. So sometimes when we go to God, he reveals things to us that we can change that in turn will, you know, change our kids. Yep. so go to God with your list. Be led by the Holy Spirit as to what to pray over your kids. Number two is, um, and just a few weeks ago during our baby dedications, um, we had prophetic words that were given over yep. them. Um, if you were one of those parents that have those, get out those prophetic words that will guide you in how to pray. They have guided me personally. Zeke, um, in his prophetic word, had many times that he would naturally go in and out of flowing in the supernatural to the natural, very sensitive to the spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's had dreams where there's no explanation. He's just screaming like night terrors almost as we could. But, like, I knew it was more, it was spiritual. And so literally I would just, because I knew this, that he flows in in the supernatural realm, I would just say to him, like, Zeke, say Jesus. He would say Jesus and, like, literally, like, snap out of it, wake up and say, stop touching me, I want to sleep. You know, where he would be mm. screaming, crying, like agitated, and he would speak the name of Jesus. And like, it would just, but I would not have known that had I not gotten those prophetic words out right. and known how to pray and have the Holy Spirit um, speak that and show that to me. Yeah. The last three, and they're really quick. Uh, first and foremost, pray for them to have a healthy fear and reverence for God. Healthy fear and reverence for God. These, these last three came from a teaching that I was listening to. Uh, by Pastor Chris Hodges from the Church of the Highlands, and he was actually observing another family, and he asked them, he said, man, your family is so great, like, what are some of the things you pray over your kids? Mm -hmm. And this list is from from that experience, and this one, pray for them to have a healthy fear and reverence for God, so resonated and stuck out out to me, because um, years ago, Pastor Dwight and Tammy did a Raising Godly Kids uh, uh, small group by Tony Evans, and one of the conversation questions I asked at that time was, you know, when my kids are older, how do I now cultivate inside of them the conviction to do make the right choices when I'm not around? Mm-hmm. 
when, when they're in high school, when they walk away from what they should be walking away from? And this is the answer. Pray that they have a healthy fear and reverence for God. Here's why. Because in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You make wiser choices when you have a healthy fear of God. You just do. You make wiser choices when you have a healthy fear. Number four, pray for them to be surrounded by divine favor. Do you want your, God, your kids to be able to walk around and be blessed? To be protected, to be looked over, to, to have uh, doors open to them because of God's blessing on their life. Psalms 5.12 says, You bless the righteous by surrounding them with the shield of favor. And number five, pray for God to bring them godly friends and godly influences. As influential as we are, they're also going to get out of our nest and the people that they're surrounded with matter immensely. Pray that God brings friends that, that are influencing them in the right direction. Will you stand with me? So be intentional about having fun. Be intentional about being interruptible and adjustable in teaching them how to apologize and being consistent in the conversations and instruction that you have uh, with them. And most importantly, in intercession, in praying over your kids. Now, here's, here's how I want to close today. If you have... Uh, if you have kids, and that doesn't matter if they're two or 35, it doesn't matter. Here's where I want to land. If today, at this moment, Jesus said, I will answer any prayer that you pray over your kid, what would you ask him for? What would you ask Jesus in this moment if he would answer any prayer that you would have? What would, he, what, would, what would you pray? Does anybody have anything? Healing. Healing. Here's what, I, go ahead. That they would think for themselves. Mm. Now here's, here's what we're going to do. I want you to get around the people around you. And I want, we'd, I want to pray those prayers over your kids. Do your kids not matter? Doesn't matter how old they are. But I want you to pray today believing that that God that we talked about is so good that would be willing not only to just hear you, but he would see intercession being intentional in this moment, praying over your kids. And he would hear and he would answer. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to get around with groups of people. We're going to do some body ministry right now. Just find a group and ask them, what would you pray for your kids right now? and join them in agreement over prayer. Amen? All right, let's go do that now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.